Do you think all the people doing replications of power poses really expected there to be an effect for power poses? Some of them probably hoped there would. You've also picked the single most contentious example of something where it was created in the first place. I think they were doing those to prove a point that they already knew. I mean, yeah, there, there that you is, go. That, that is, that, well, the thing is, they shouldn't have had to do that. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana and I'm from the University of Oslo and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. James, how are you going? Good, What's boy, how up? are you? Ah, ah. It's just another day in paradise, man. It's as hot as hell here. It's not raining, it's sunning. If it's not sunning, it's threatening to rain. It's a combination of hot and wet in the least fun ways possible. It is a swampy, swampy place and through our swamp, we must do our science. We're going to do something very, very interesting today for for, for today's episode, and uh, tentatively, we're going to call it the Pomodoro episode. I love, I love doing. That's how I work. Pomodoros. I do forty minute Pomodoros. But today, uh, we got four topics to cover, and for each topic, we are going to spend exactly ten minutes. So we're going to see how this goes. Yeah. Experiment. We're not, no, let's let's see what happens. Is that we don't we don't have any firm plans about what happens if you're in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> um, Bring out the cane. Yeah. The so this is this is going to be frantic. Are you feeling frantic, Daniel? No, no. I reckon we can do this. Feel frantic. All right. Do I can your make, job. I, I can make it. I can make it frantic. All right. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna set a timer, and uh, you, you're probably gonna hear it. Uh, in the background, so um, let's uh, let's get started with our with our first thing. And James, I want to talk. Firstly, I want to say congratulations on 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 your award. You recently, you and Nick and um, that other bloke, what's his name? Uh, Pie Pie Sprite. I don't know. Actually, this is really odd. I'm not of a. I, I got an email about this a little while ago saying congratulations, you have won the SIPS Mission Award. Um, we're going to buy you a hat and tell you you're a special fella. I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you for appreciating me. Um, they're awarded to projects. Um, and this project was all our collective work in error detection and specifically the Grim Sprite and now Debit, which is my new toy. Um, so not to like the people involved in the project. So I actually have no idea because I know I've won it. I know it's awarded <laughs> to the project. I'm not entirely sure who else has won it. Wow. So you're, you're just part <laughs> of this collective award. I, 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 I assume so. I haven't actually checked the, the, the super fine print on that. And I'm not, and I'm not collecting the money. So it's, yeah. Less points of contact. <laughs> <laughs> but this this last one that you mentioned, uh, Debit. This this is a new one. This this came out about what one or two one or two weeks ago. Yeah, put it out there. Yes. What about what, that? What is Debit? Okay, so everyone who's listening to this probably knows I do some work in error detection, and I get lots of emails from different people, uh, which are information about sort of what's happening behind the scenes sometimes, uh, like things that they noticed. Give us an uh, example. Stories that they've heard. Oh, a while back, um, someone wrote to tell me just about the status of an investigation that was going on. And um, 
they, they thought I'd find it interesting to learn how the sort of university thing crossed over into a government investigation of the same thing. Uh, lady was a whistleblower, essentially, um, and just sort of wanted to talk in general most rather than get any kind of advice about like what's up with these multiple investigations how does this work so people send me emails like that quite a lot i like those emails um and it was pointed out in one of those emails that when you have if you've got a great big table of uh descriptive statistics so talking means means numbers yeah so if you typical yeah yeah if you've got a great big table of that and that's all that's all fine that's all cool um sometimes people report in that something that's a little strange which is the mean and standard deviation of a binary number so they'll do something like code uh like income under 45k or income over 45k and then it'll say and it'll be coded as 0 or 1 right so you've got binary categories. It's just you know, it's a sort of. Uh, I mean, that would be some kind of binary measure of middle classitude or something. <laughs> so you've got uh, some numbers up, some numbers down. Uh, some of them are coded as zero. Some of them are coded as one. Now, yep. in a table of descriptive statistics that's later going into a regression, usually, sometimes they'll report the mean standard deviation of the binary variable. Now, from a mathematical perspective, that's just weird because once you've set the mean, you know the mean. So, we've got 100 people and we've got a mean of 0.3, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean? It means 31s and 70 zeros. Easy, yeah? Yeah, yeah. All right, so if if we've got enough accuracy on that to know that, we know what the standard deviation is. There's only two values that the whole thing can take, so it's defined It's defined entirely by the mean. It's in other that. words, if your mean and standard deviation in your reported binary statistic don't agree, then something's gone wrong. You've done the stats mm. wrong. You've put the wrong values into something that was the online-capable document. You've screwed up your pagination. Maybe you've made the numbers up. <laughs> whatever it's there's lots of reasons that can go wrong and when we did we spent we found so many different ways of screwing things up when we did the the grim project a couple of years ago it was like oh that's a, that was a spreadsheet error i was like oh wow i've never seen that one before i feel like i should draw a, a family tree of all the ways to screw numbers up sometimes <laughs> but so that's not this is not a, it's not a splashy thing it's not a, a big test at all it's a little thing because i mean that's a that's a subset of a subset of papers right but yeah. it's another it's another tool it's another it's another observation where you can say if a exists it has to be congruent with b full stop end of story no correspondence will be entered into it's not probabilistic at all it's just that's wrong if it's reported like that Sorry. Now, let me ask. So, you've obviously tested this on a number of, number of scenarios. Um, have you seen an example of this and then contacted the author going, hey, we've noticed this thing. What has happened here? Can you yeah. give us a bit more information? What happened? What, what, well, what was, I'm in, curious to see real, real world in, examples. It's in, the, it's, in the, it's in the paper, yeah. Um, but I'm only really interested in things like that if they can be codified into a test. Like, you know, there's someone out there has screwed something up. Well, yeah, they do that all the time. Welcome to people, <laughs> right? But uh, th- this this observation is possi- 
possible to be made more broadly? Okay, now I'm paying attention. Like anything I can use elsewhere, this is like this is this is cool. But look, I hope anyone who writes to me with an issue like that. Um, but I'm most interested in the way that this observation is structured means we can formalize it, right? So I was. It's, it's, uh, it's exactly the same as like when, when someone points it out to you in something mm. that they saw. And this is in the paper if you've read it. And you obviously not read it because not carefully. Um, we oh, found, that, that's, we oh, found some of these in it. a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. Easier podcast to catch up when you're reading, you slack button. <laughs> um, obviously, we've seen it in the wild. Um, we, we don't know yet. The, the authors haven't said nothing. Um, okay. But you know what people are like getting back to that goddamn email over summer? Especially if they're these crazy Europeans with their six-week paid vacations. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, that's that's always that's always part of it. But look, the focus the focus as ever is like add the observation to the pile. Yeah. Yeah? So, you know, the more observations we have, the more tests we have, the more it becomes a real thing that people can do, the more resources we can get, the more people are going to go out into the world committed to accuracy, looking for problems and trying to figure out what's up. And what is the feasibility of doing like a stat checky type scenario where you can get a bulk of papers and automate going through? Can you detect this in an automated fashion or is it just Great too- question. This is what it's way easier to do with this than it is with other things. With Sprite, mm. it's borderline impossible unless you've got a really lovely, well-structured sort of XML document. Um, Grim, a little bit easier than that. This, a lot easier than Grim. You get a you get a table. Uh, you have basically you have a lookup for the way that things are reported. Um, so what do what do people normally do for that? You go uh, sex, income split. Um, sometimes there's an age categorization where they, they say they're doing young adults or something, and they go uh, people under eighteen, people over eighteen, or so you know you get eighteen to twenty five, and then under eighteen or something like that. Any time where anything's binarized, and you yeah. can pick that up reasonably automatically, um, you can smash through whatever is in the table through this observation. And mathematically, it's really simple. It's twenty, thirty lines of code. Okay. The only, the only tricky part is uh, thinking about. Rounding, and when I say tricky, I mean it, it, it. It's mildly harder than totally trivial. None of this uh, stuff is hard. It's always a fact of like noticing that it's there. Yeah, that's the key. Changing your changing the kind of mindset that you approach information with, and learning that it's there. I gave a talk about this at uh, Rochester a while back, and I like the title that I gave. I called it uh, "The Paper as a Puzzle." Now, I don't know if you remember this from sitting in a sweaty room with me all day, but I'm fierce for puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> Crosswords, words oh, with friends. Those are the Flash games. You're a bandit really? for those. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, um, I remember that. Anything, anything with numbers, like Kakuro, I did for years. Sudoku, the first time it came out in the newspaper. Uh, like I went to the I, uh, went to the extent of like, collecting newspapers off other people. Nice, um, nice. It was like, oh, if my mum was like, oh, do you have Tuesday and Thursday? Like, can you, for, for no reason at all, bring the like the back page of the yeah. front section <laughs> over? Because you couldn't buy a book of them at that point in time. Uh, sure, my age here. Um, yeah, but um, I, I think I think it's that's related somehow. Uh, the kind of like the, the, the puzzle, the, the puzzling, the puzzling aspect of it. 
Because with Sudoku, and it's certainly like no, no, I feel like it has a lot less of the kind of inherent aggressiveness of like going out and beating research with a stick. <laughs> um, because uh, you you can't you can't do it in that frame of mind. You're treating it as this big abstract puzzle. It's it's more similar to hacking and like network penetration and crosswords than it is to either peer review or to wanting to ruin someone's day because their work sucks. That's our ten minutes. Perfect. Perfect oh, timing. I didn't hear the, didn't hear the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it's very quiet, but it's but it's there. Oh, it'll come up in get, the mic can you get a louder one i'll try i'll try and get a louder one as as we're doing the next one okay uh now next thing i want to talk about is uh something which came up on twitter a few days ago which is oh, which is this idea did you the, start the timer oh I'll, I'll, yeah i'm starting the next one oh, good thanks thanks got, for chasing you, that up you've got thanks for chasing that up <laughs> best dan best okay academic reply yeah i know i do that out of a kind of a sense of due annoying irony and no one's ever said it's really annoying that you do that in emails and then at some point in time i think i stopped caring you can't put anything i used to write when i was a grad student i used to write blood and iron comma and then write my name (laughs) the problem and then then of course the world changes and makes that sound appallingly fascist yeah yeah blood and iron blood and iron and earth um it, it wasn't that i mean the time I lifted a lot of iron and bled on it occasionally. So I'd make a very poor fascist. I can never fit my fat ass into the uniform. <laughs> yeah. On to our next topic and the timer has started. Uh, we, we're going we're to talk about something which came up on Twitter a few days ago. And it's this idea of uh, academic dress codes. This is really interesting. Um, I've noticed moving from Australia to Norway, there's mm. a huge difference. Uh, I, I think jokingly online, I think people are talk ask the question: Is it okay for 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 men to wear shorts to the to the lab and to the workplace? <laughs> shorts. Um, and this yeah, is this having is, this- having answered the more complicated question, uh, like should men have to wear pants? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit- <laughs> society and its bloody, restrictions. Bloody society, but there's been a big difference. Where um, there, I feel there, are, it's much, much more relaxed here in in Norway uh, as as to what you wear. It's more of a question of you know whatever you wear, as long as you're comfortable and it fits the climate. Then I like then, that. Then, Norway's then, more relaxed than Australia. We wouldn't say Australia was a particularly tense place, Daniel. Uh well, I mean less. It was more. It's more tense than Norway, for sure. Didn't you Dress- work in? Didn't you work in a hospital or something at one point? It, this changes so much yeah. between. All right. So what you're saying is there's cultural differences, and it's but it's possi- also like within it, cultural differences. It's also possible to be scruffier than Australians, which is um, an <laughs> obs- observation that will probably surprise a few people. Um, this this changes between different like internal environments in a in a city or a country way more than it does between sort of mindsets. So if you work in a biological lab, you can't have open toed shoes. Practical. Full stop end of story. You've got to have your legs covered because this is it's PPE stuff. Things splash around, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh you can't you can't wear thongs and you can't have bare legs on a lot Flip, of Flip flops for us for us for, for those non American listeners. <laughs> It's such a silly the flip flop. That was, that that term was ruined for me with a political discourse in America, where everyone's perpetually uh, accused of changing their mind, like they weren't all. It's experience uh, monsters flopping. to start with. Yeah. So 
but you you work you work in a hospital. A lot of them mm. have got uh, dress codey sorts of requirements, and sometimes they go back the other way. Like a lot of the time, you can tell what job someone does in a hospital because some of them aren't allowed to wear ties. They think they're dirty. They they hang on to stuff. They cross contaminate, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, if you've got to, I mean, we had when we did EEG stuff, we wore lab coats the whole time because you're covering people in gel. Like shit yeah, is everywhere. You yeah, get yeah. it on your clothes. You're doing you're doing head showers. You're getting your, you're getting your clothes wet no matter what you're wearing. Um, and then you know it comes all the way down to if you've got a sort of a client facing job. There's obviously, especially when a uh, medical clin psych context yeah. it's very hard to imagine someone working at a research center and like oh you're here for your 10 a.m cbt uh never mind the crop top uh, and that's <laughs> and that's coming from a dude you know yeah. <laughs> um, so those 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 differences are way bigger than the like what is appropriate and acceptable here business I totally agree because I, I regularly went between working at the psych department at Sydney. Things are pretty yeah. relaxed. People, people wore basically whatever as long as you were in your office yeah. across to a medical institute, which was very client facing. So, whenever I was there, it, it was uh, it was trousers, pants and collars. Just yeah, of course. Even if you weren't seeing a client or weren't testing any clients, you would probably go past some yeah. in the waiting room. I mentioned this in the, the conversation. It's something I, I've always done this, unless it was like testing on a nineteen-year-old uh, undergraduate. Yeah, they, they don't care. They don't don't care if you look more like them. They're more likely Better. to say this graduate student is a person rather than a kind of senior automaton who wishes to probe me. And probe I did. <laughs> um, I I take the I take full advantage of situations like that too. I always like the the jungle rot t shirts definitely stay home that day because especially <laughs> especially when it's hard for people to come in somewhere and there's a there is an expectation that you convey some kind of authority. Now I don't really care about that, and obviously I think you. I'm not given over to caring about lots of stuff. And obviously, I think people should be able to wear whatever the hell they want down to a full set of armor from the torso up and no pants. Honestly, I don't care. But what I do is dress up like a human being every time I have someone who is of adult age is coming past a lab, especially if it's a situation where uh, we need to trust you with our kids in this experiment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Or, yeah, big, big. or we are going to have a conversation about our difficult marital issues. Yeah. If you've got a, like a Led Zeppelin shirt and a pair of jeans <laughs> that's more holes than denim, what do you think is going to happen? No, no, I, yeah, no. I don't leave – and obviously, I'm a data paranoid. That much is well established by now. But I leave nothing on the table when it comes to successfully deploying experiments. I have arguments with HVAC people to get the temperature in the room on like a distributed system better. Mm. Yeah. I have pulled screws out of closed windows with a screwdriver so I could pop the window when I felt the, the, the room was too hot so I could regulate the temperature. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've bitched and complained when electrodes were, that were probably still fine were two weeks out of date because I don't want to I don't want to run the risk of anything falling off. The adhesive no. goes over time. On and on these examples go. You know, if anyone even gives my you, you remember what I was I was like years ago with eating and drinking in experimental rooms. Send them home. Oh, you're like you have coffee near my equipment. I will insert that coffee in one of the other holes that you have. <laughs> Yeah, and even even now, when we're, we're we're just having a normal meeting, 
when I'm at work, we're having a normal meeting and someone's got a, a white, uh, I've got a device on the table and they've got a glass of water. There's a voice in my brain. It's like, move that water two yeah. feet yeah. from my device. So there's, I guess there's a collective mindset on that. It's like, look, um, this could get a whole lot worse. Say you've got a, a lab full of uh, people from, I guess we could loosely call it a modesty culture. And then you basically come to work in a bikini. And let's make that even weirder. You're the comic book guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. So there's there's ways to split this up where you're going to have to have a conversation about how the kind of mechanics of it are supposed to work. And there's a sort of blanket dictator rule, you know, we stand in this on principles. Principles explode into a thousand pieces when you hit uh, the realities of how to actually deploy stuff in context. But I, I think something that, that that is important is that we're, we're two dudes talking about oh, this. Yeah. I think I know these things are completely different for women and who have different expectations of what they should and shouldn't be wearing. So, I think, totally. I think this would be- a That diff- and when they do that and they get it wrong, no one's going to say, well, people have asked me before, like, that's a very scruffy t-shirt with a lot of death on it, James. Um, <laughs> have you considered wearing something less deathy without holes in it? But no one's going to go, he's morally problematic. No one's going to say that. No one's going to think that. Just at least go, out loud. He's scruffy. Yeah, yeah. Right? At, at, yeah, yeah. No one's going to go, oh, really? I, I, I don't like the band Goat Whore. <laughs> Maybe James is a whore himself. It's never going to happen. I was once on. Totally I was once catching a bus. Axis of judgment. I was once catching a bus, and my mate had a bad religion shirt, and the bus driver threw him off. Like bad religion? Religion's not bad. Where was that? No, Castle Let Hill. me guess. In the hills district. In the hills God district. Damn it. <laughs> I was going to say that first. Yeah. That's we- not fair. Bad religion. That 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 was that was funny. That was a funny experience. Um, but yeah, th- th- these things are completely different for the big differences between men and women, for sure. Uh, yeah, no question. And probably probably raised consequences as well. Like different, um, different, different things will be said and thought if there's some unexplained thing. And as a... Uh, <laughs> actually, you know something I've done before when I haven't been sure about something? I've actually done this on... A job interview and on a place where I was visiting, I've gone to the place suddenly. I haven't gone like out of my way or anything. I haven't driven 90 minutes to do recon, but I've actually <laughs> gone to the place that I'm going to the next day yeah. to, to, to see the vibe of the people so I can meet it. I would totally do that if I was in the area for sure. Did, yeah. did, did, did it actually not, as, not as an inconvenience like like go two buildings over get inside walk around look through a few sneak, windows s- sneak spend, in. spend five minutes and leave were, were, you, were your expectations right would you have dressed if, did you dress differently as you would have if you didn't go in one of those situations yes interesting um, I thought I will dress up and be a fancy man I would have looked a complete tit I occasionally if I'm going to a place or speaking in a place where I'm sure I'll actually ask someone hey what what is the vibe what is the vibe oh 10 minutes for that one. What is the vibe, Daniel? I guess we'll never know we, now. We, 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 we will never know. Keep your eye on the time, you scruffy mollusk. We'll never know. Okay. Our next- uh, uh, oh, No, we, we might return to that later. I've got another question <laughs> about, 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 the old, about the old lab days, but we, we might get back to that later. Okay. Pomodoros, man. Pomodoros. Pomodoros okay. Pomodoros. Ne- next thing is, is this some, something which we tend to see spoken about online, but also- 
spoken about in, in, in hallways and hushed tones is this idea of, well, people did research in a different way. Research was conducted differently 10, 20 years ago. People didn't know that, that these were problems. So, if people were kind of raising, oh, I think there's a problem with this study, then quite often they'll use the back in my day defense. Back in my day, that's how everyone did things. What do you think about this? Well, standards have changed since you started talking about this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so quick. When you introduced the topic, it was a different environment, a different time. Um, what wasn't, what was acceptable now uh, was certainly not acceptable then. So you have to understand that I have no formal opinion whatsoever because context has changed. There, got out of that one. Take that ten minutes up yours. <laughs> um, there's a certain amount of truth to this and a huge pile of bullshit. Okay. Um, you did start the timer. It, it is. It is going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're good. Remembered this. I've time. remembered. Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> Fool me twice, I come around to your house and baseball bat your mailbox. Isn't that how it goes? Yeah, that's exactly how. I it think goes. Abraham Lincoln didn't say that. <laughs> All right, so we, we got eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, talk more. <laughs> um, here's here's the bollocks that I think's at the center of that. I think there's a slide over time in what people find acceptable because they need stuff to get done. When you start off doing scientific work, you are largely responsible for the accuracy of what's in front of you and other people are relying on you to do that. So you're facing the analytical decisions, you're facing the data collection, you're, you're in front of the task. And at some point in time, you go through to managing that. And instead of treating it as a process that you have to do, you treat it as a process that you have to manage. And in the making of that mental shift, I think people sort of reduce the analytical task to, oh, we just need to get that done. It needs to be finished because it needs to go into this thing. It, it, it doesn't have, it, it, it starts to lose its internal details and it starts to gain strategic details. And I think people make compromises like that over time that they're sometimes not really aware of. Oh, we just need it done by whenever. And mm. there's a certain amount of inevitability to that as you go from doing science to managing people who do science, right? And in the doing of that, I think that some people who make the back-in-my-day argument have lost sight of the fact that some of this stuff was obviously never okay. Some of the, the like problematic analytical decisions were never okay. They're just insulated from them. Like, you know, pulling data out, uh, you know, pe peaking at uh, doing early statistics, um, stat tests and then, you know, testing a few more people to hit 0.05. Is that the kind of thing that you're, you're that you're getting at? Yeah, it just it just it just becomes a, at, at some point in time it becomes a, like the way of doing business. And the back in my day argument is well, it's a way of doing business, but it used to be acceptable. It used to just be what we did. Now that's where the certain amount of truth to that comes in. Yeah, mm. in that there's obviously analytical problems that people weren't aware of, but. People will also use this to defend complete bullshit, right? It's oh, but you don't even need to understand statistics to know that if you measure four hundred different comparisons and one of them <laughs> works, the one thing that you've found is likely to be spurious bullshit. You can demonstrate that with a random number generator. You can demonstrate it by thinking about it really hard for thirty seconds and realizing that it's fucking obvious. 
Yeah. Right? That never became a particularly difficult bridge to cross. And one of the obvious responses to it, back in my day, well, yeah, okay, well, maybe your day should have been different. Maybe you should have tried to change it. Maybe you should have given a shit at the time. And maybe you shouldn't be saying, well, it was acceptable by the standards of the time. By the standards of the 12th century, it was perfectly okay to put a cat in a bag and throw it in a fire. Don't look at me like that. That's you thinking about doing it. Be nice to cats. (laughs) Cats are lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, obviously, obviously, I mean, also considering what I work on, I don't have a great deal of sympathy for that kind of argument. And it's very easy to circumvent if you feel like you're wanting to make that argument. You, you, I think it's much more honest to say uh, we we didn't know better. Yeah. I sh- I shouldn't have. Can we remedy it? What's happened to the evidence? Rather than according to the standard of the day, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, it's the oh Christ. There's a name for that as a logical fallacy as well. I can't remember what it is. I think God, people. There's so many of them. I think people no, I have. Remember. I think people have a good memory about how things were done. Uh, like, for instance, there are some journals that have gone a bit wonky over the past few years, and people have a rough idea. Oh, that journal, uh, you know, it was 2017 that it, that it went weird. So, if people actually see, people are kind of worried. Oh, no, I published in that journal before it got weird. People kind of have a good understanding. So, they're like, oh, well, that was published in that journal in 2015. Okay, cool. We'll give it a pass. We know that it wasn't weird then. I think people know these things. Do, are, do, you, do, are you live subtweeting Frontiers journals, Dan? Uh, <laughs> audio, audio, <laughs> sub audio. Uh, look, sub audio is infrasound. You have to come up with a different yeah, name. I don't know. I don't have a name for that. But look, do, do you agree with that assessment? Do you think that people have a general idea of when journals went weird? Uh, doesn't families of journals or a specific journal? Yeah, I, I don't see how it's related to the topic, but definitely. So, look, if you read it, you see the quality of stuff that's coming through. Um, yeah. If you're getting review requests from it, if there's anything that's a total howler that's obviously published, all of these things create a, a very good uh, overall perception. Um, and in the case of large journal groups, obviously, there's reporting on their business practices, yeah. how much money they make, how they treat their staff, what happens what happens to them in their, their place in the business world rather than how they're handling their general academic f- whatevers. Um, didn't, didn't you reject a paper today or didn't you admonish an editor? You, you rolled up the newspaper and, and hit them in the nose and said no for a, a paper they sent you. Did I see that yeah, tweet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it must have been pretty bad if if you could have seen from the abstract <laughs> that this should have okay. been dis- can you Can you give any details without giving away too many details about what happened. Oh, I'll just go. I'll give away all the details. Okay. Yeah, they, took, <laughs> go, they, go t- they took a um. They took an existing full chipset designed specifically for the task of doing a measurement. Uh, they hooked it into a computer system that it is highly straightforwardly compatible with, and then they ported that using a normal app to a smartphone. And they went, "Oh, we've built a smart ECG monitor." You built fuck all. Right? That's a very, very small hardware contribution and a very, very small software contribution. It's so small that I could do it and I shouldn't be publishing in a hardware engineering journal. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then then they tested an abysmally low amount of people and then tried to hide the fact that the accuracy was dog shit. All, all within the abstract, you were yes. able to glean this. 
I occasionally get requests where they actually attach the paper to the reviewer request and it actually gives me a little bit more information as to whether I want to review it or not. Because sometimes I'll read an abstract going, this looks really interesting. Then I actually get the paper and I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is a pile of shit. How, what, what, what am I going to do? And mm. this is, but I mean, I, I think well, it's the, edit, the editor can see the whole paper. Yeah, exactly. So, the editor so, should know. But right. I, I, think, I think- So, back, back in your day, editors should be reading the papers they receive? Like yeah. editors don't have enough to do that. I, I, I saw a See me joint. staying on topic there. Did you see that? I'm no, the you, focus one back today. In, I'm back, the focus one. Yeah, you are. <laughs> what, a, what a change. But oh, I did, I did, fuck you. <laughs> I, I, did, I did see um, uh, <laughs> a certain journal was uh, was sending out review requests on behalf of editors without, actually, without the editors actually knowing. Did you see this? No. On the on 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 the twants, uh, an editor looked at, looked uh, on the on the journal portal and realised that all these requests for uh, for reviewing papers were sent out in their name without them actually doing it, and it was automated. And the journal went back to say, "Oh, this, it was a mistake." But then about four other people said, "No, this happened to me as well." So wait, hang on, hang on. So someone who has a job with yeah. the journal is having emails sent from their own automated account. Yes, without them knowing. With, okay, I. I Without them knowing is a bit odd, um, but they do actually have the job of editor Malone, and they know there's an automated system, right? They know there's an automated system, but they were not CC'd or they did not press the button of we are going to send out these requests. All right, so there's just a bot out there with their name on it, yeah, uh, uh, telling them telling them without their consent that they're sending review requests oh. to people. They didn't even know. They didn't even know until they logged into the system because typically when this would happen, you would actually get a CC that these things have been sent out. But they they logged into their system and realized there was 20 emails sent out in their name for papers. They didn't even realize this is this this is a mess. Anyway, 10 minutes is up. 10 oh, minutes heard, is up. I heard that one. Yeah, that one's uh, made it a little bit louder. If two Hertz episodes per month isn't enough for you, you can hear an additional bonus episode by becoming an Everything Hurts patron for only $5 a month. If you can't swing the $5 but still want to support the show financially, we also have a $1 per month tier, which gives you access to a monthly newsletter. All of your financial support goes directly back into the show. If you want to support the show non-financially, we'd love it if you could leave an iTunes review or share links to the episodes on social media. Now, let's get back to it. Okay, next topic, and uh, this one uh, is something dear to our hearts because it's got a cool name. Uh, this one is this idea of uh, paper came out. Um, I think it was a preprint, was it a, a day or two ago? Um, reanalyzing a replication attempt. Now, the replication attempt uh, was non-significant, and these researchers reanalyzed it and actually found out that whoa, no, this was actually significant if you did X, Y, Z. And then, in a roundabout way, kind of said, well, this is an issue um, that these people who were replicating it actually had a motivation or may have had a motivation to get a non-significant result, which is this, mm. this thing which has been dubbed mm. P-slacking. Yep. Peace, Not to peace. be confused with P-fracking, which is peace. where you uh, hydraulically insert P-values into the Earth's, Earth's <laughs> surface. To extract, to, um, to extract to, significances. To extract liquid hydrocarbons, yes. Yeah. Um, this, this is an interesting idea. And this is something which I have actually been a bit concerned about myself. Um, 
not in the sense of exact replications, but uh, I did I did write a paper a year or two ago um, of um, there was a, there was a lab which uh, took the opportunity to open up their file drawer and and actually say hey we have this bunch of we have this bunch of oxytocin results and it is all non significant we should can the whole enterprise um, and and set set it on fire and uh, I reanalyzed the data. And found out that the majority of these tests were, were highly, highly underpowered. And the thing is that this paper, when it came out, um, of course, a lot of people on Twitter were like, ha ha, oxytocin doesn't work. But the funny thing was, the, the, these are the same people that when a positive study comes out, I think I've mentioned this before, when a positive study comes out, they're, they're the first to say this thing was underpowered. But as soon as this study that comes out, that kind of works into their biases, they're like, no, nah, it, it gets a free pass. Um so, this is the same sort of thing that people may have motivations, whatever reason, maybe they're leaving the field, um, maybe they're trying something different, I don't know. But people may also have motivations to actually hack after a negative effect. And this is this idea that's been raised. What do you think about this, Heather's piece no, slacking? Oh, it, look, it's it's perfectly possible. But um, in the general sense of, I, I think uh, people are honestly not psychologically Prime. Then re- anyone who's going to the trouble of doing a large replication test is probably not going to the trouble of doing that, especially when you're talking 10, 20 times the amount of people with the original. They're probably not going to the trouble of doing all that just so they can say, hey, we did it and it didn't work and this other paper is, this other paper is bullshit. I don't think a lot of people are thinking like that. Are you sure Honestly, about that? Yes. What if there are two rival theories or two rival tests and these people are doing replication of the rival theory? There is a big motivation there to find null effect. So, you've do- I said most people aren't and you've gone for a specific situation where people are obviously already in conflict and saying- I don't, that- I don't think that's a rare situation. I think there, there are a lot of people who have competing ideas or competing theories and they may want to do replication of what the other, pe- the other people may make a claim. So, instead of doing a small shit study, you do a large- shit study but probably for different reasons just so you can bust up the other person's idea yeah what's better than it's 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 what (laughs) it's much more if you want to play the super cynical card uh you're much better off sinking the other team than you are boosting yours a little bit yeah and everyone else is just interested in the idea because they work in the area wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice look this here's the other thing look here's a like fancy fancy person malone comes up with a, a fancy idea from a small sample experiment. Now, when you publish your enormous replication, if it's really successful, how is fancy person going to feel about it? If you confirm their result, oh, the effect size is slightly reduced, or yeah, welcome That's to fucking great. reality. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, it's, so you've made a friend, you're going to get to talk to them. It's, it's, it's going to be cited like alongside the fancy result. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and everyone's going to say, oh, we always knew that was a good idea, and now we really know because you did the definitive experiment. So, yeah. that's got lots of scientific sort of longevity. You're going to sure. go into the, oh, right, okay, so you've made what, what people, a lot of the time, I don't agree with this terminology at all, but what people call a positive contribution, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now you take someone, a very fancy person who thinks that they were sort of they were born being right. 
Now, they came out covered in blood, screaming and essentially being correct. And you're going to gainsay them with an experiment. And all experiments have fucking analytical flexibility, disclosed or otherwise, because observations are annoying, right? Reality is annoying. Everything has different degrees of flexibility. Well, wait, so, so you're saying that you can't- Hang on. Okay, 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 okay. So maybe come to Norway and hit you with a herring. Right. So you're gonna you're gonna publish you're gonna publish this thing, which like everything else is available for criticism, and then you're gonna stick it in the public domain and go, hey, that theory that you've made your name on for twenty years, that thing you've been trading on, I tested it and it's bullshit. Your effect size is is indistinguishable from absolutely nothing. Um, I think there might be some value to this theory, but your essential idea is wrong. Uh, sorry, I know you've got a great job at the fancy place and you're 40 years older than me, but go fuck yourself. You're wrong. But these things now, don't happen, though. Yeah, of course they fucking happen, Dan, but you know, you've put yourself in a situation where you've set yourself up in a directly adversarial position. It shouldn't yeah. be, but that's how a lot of them are going to fucking see it. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, you, there's, no, there's no sort of the benefit of the doubt. A lot of people are going to take that personally. And if you're going after an idea big enough worth replicating, Right? It's going to be an idea from something that's reasonably well established or particularly congruent. You know, pick some random shit from 1985, some, th- <laughs> some theory some guy had when he was high on acid hanging from his heels from a sycamore tree. It's not, it's not some bollocks. It's some big thing that's allegedly supposed to matter. You, you carve off an observation that you hope is a meaningful expression of what happened in the first place, and then you try and deploy enough people to capture the effect size of the original paper with a degree of certainty where people can't argue that you didn't do enough. Mm. Right. I do not think it's a huge, any large experiment, especially a multi-site experiment is a huge pain in the hole. Oh yeah. Okay. So I don't, I honestly don't think there's a lot of people doing massive replication attempts with a, with a due sense of we can fuck them up when we find nothing happens. I don't know. I'm I, willing to let you talk me out of this. That is my perception. I, I have not had long conversations with people who've done this. I'm going from things that they said and the way I feel. You what? I have reviewed some registered reports, and of course, I can never know the intentions of the researcher. But the way that it's written, I get the sense that they're expecting Expecting a null effect. Go on. Yeah. So, in that sense, there is a motivation to write. The larger motivation for these things that I've reviewed is we want to better understand this thing. Yeah. But then the perception is basically it's 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 this idea that this paper is going to be- Okay. Look, 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 let's say there's a finding- So, hang and- on. You, you reviewed the registered report and you think that there's an element of that registered report- which is the, like designed to fail, too well, stringent no. a test. That is sorry. Is that what you said? No, no, no. That 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 is the beauty of the registered report. In that, yeah, that's what is, I'm it, saying. But you're in the process of fucking reviewing it. Did you tell them to change the criteria? No, no, no. The thing is, the, the their criteria is perfect, and how they're perfect is adequate. What they've done is a really good attempt at answering the question, and it seems like. The, if they get a null answer, that seems to be just confirming. It's this idea that people have, have, have doubted this, this, this thing since the original paper first came out. Small studies have come out. They want to say, okay, we're really going to get to the bottom of this. It's pro- but the vibe you get is it's probably going to be negative. Yeah? 
Yeah, but they're not trying to make it negative. Of they're course not. They're skeptical and they're setting it exactly. up on what they think is a fair basis, but they're not deliberately going, uh, we're only going to use non-parametric methods <laughs> and we're only going to use the exact number of covariates that you had yourself in the first place and we're only going to use the following analytical method that throws lots of no, the no. data away for being inaccurate, so on and so on and, and so that- on. And that is the beauty of the rest of the report. And originally, when I was reviewing it- This is not- that What you've just described does not strike me as this P-slacking business. I think that's an Engberism. I think Dan Engber (laughs) came up with that. Yeah, I I think think you did too. Okay, what I was trying to get about- That's not slacking. I I know. This is is critical and fair and focused, and people like you were reviewing it in the first place. It's not deliberately trying to crater something so you can make a big splash about how someone else had the idea wrong the entire time. What I was trying to get at is that things like British reports or adversarial uh, replications can actually protect against this. So, that originally when I saw this, I'm like, hang on a minute, this sample size is, 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 is too small. Um, you basically just going to get a- um, it's not going to be sensitive enough uh, for a null effect or for a positive effect. And so, by having a registered report, it actually protects against this. So, even if there are any biases, there's, there's, there's no hiding behind it. But people are doing these, are doing the equivalent things um, without the protection of a registered report. This is all coming back from my experience for, for, for this particular paper where um, people came out to say there is there is no effect for oxytocin. But the, these, the, the, the stringency or the, the, the lack of- uh, of, of control and the, the, the lack of methodology for the, for this approach really suggested, you know, that is angling for, for, for the null effect because their motivation was to actually push for the null effect. So, look, it, I don't know how widespread this is. This is the sense that I get from my experience, um, but I think registered reports and adversarial replications, I haven't seen many in the wild, um, but there's a few out there, or a good thing, because then you can you can actually consult with the original authors, going, "This is what we're thinking you're doing. Do you agree or not agree?" Well, like if you it. put your if you put your cynicism hat on, you ask someone to work on you uh, work on your adversarial idea, and they never reply to the email or say no, thank you, then they can wait till you've done it and then tell you you did it wrong afterwards. <laughs> That's bad. What? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. You're the one. You're wearing your, your little fucking cynical herring hat over there talking yeah. this shit. You really think people like, look, you have to assume that a fair proportion of people who make decisions about how this stuff can be set up are real bastards. That's reasonable on kind of a do, blanket do, level. Do you think all the people doing replications of power poses really expected there to be an effect for power poses? Some of them probably hoped there would. You've also picked the single most contentious example of something where it was created in the first place. I think they were doing those to prove a point that they already knew. I mean, yeah, there, there that you is, go. That, that is that. Well, the, the, the thing is, they shouldn't have had to do that. That that should never have been a necessary thing to happen. Because but people still put the resources in to, to doing well-powered replications. Uh, I think this this was the first registered report meta-analysis on on a set of registered reports to ever be done. I think there was six studies that did it, and it was an effect of 0.02, was that like 0.03? So, I, I would be skeptical um, that many of those researchers went in there not 
not not hoping or gunning for a negative result, but not expecting a negative result. So All right, well, I look, think let's 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 put it let's put it to the the people. I'm I'm happy to be wrong. Right? Yeah. I'm happy to be wrong about this. The problem is is like I I'm talking in a normative sense from a general impression that I've got. Right? You've you you're talking about a lot of really specific examples, three or four now. So it's somewhat at cross purposes there. Let's ask people when this comes out. I think we've blown ten minutes completely. Yeah, yeah, ten minutes is gone. But this this, this um, has been interesting. Let, let's let's see if we can ask people. Yeah, I would honestly like to know what people think in general, in the most general sense. If you are running a large replication of, let's even say it's an important idea, something that's worth, like the original study had 40 people and then you, you come out and you go, yeah, we have 380. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. A real serious proper how's your father replication. And not, I did it on MTurk, it cost me 20 cents and I got the data <laughs> in 40 minutes. An actual serious commitment to do a full size, like order of magnitude replication whether or not people are expecting it to work um, or expecting it not to work. Or whether or not, look, this is the, the other thing, is there's a difference between I fully expect this not to work, but at least we'll get to explore the data, and I'm deliberately making analytical decisions to make this previous paper look like a bag of shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a big difference. Right. There's also, there's also only so far you can take that when it comes to trying to crater it. I mean, I've seen a few multiverse uh, specification curve analyses now, and there is a nice sort of flat bit in the middle sometimes. They're not sort of, they don't look like sort of squeezy inverse tan waves. Wow, that was a pretty nerdy observation. Um, <laughs> they, a, lot of them, a lot of them are reasonably... Flat and presumably a lot of the analytical decisions involved in one of the really extreme answers out of the million you could choose or whatever. Presumably, some of those would be published in a paper, and everyone would go, "What the hell is this? Why that weird combination of covariates? Why that weird test? Why that series of exclusions?" It, it, it doesn't et cetera, pass the sniff test. People have an idea of, "Oh, this was plausible, and this is this is way off." People people can tell. Uh, this with this recent example is a, something that I, I tried to get a handle on this. I was up late working on something and I was trying to get a handle on this and I realized that between the original paper, the replication, and the thing that was written about it, it was like a hundred pages of text. It's <laughs> a lot of a lot of stuff. It was a hundred pages of single spliced A4. It's a book. It's like, yeah. well, can I read a book <laughs> quickly and try and find out the nature of this disagreement? The one thing that I did notice is that the the jump in it was about trying to get people to vote. The original jump is like we got an extra is a ten and a half odd percent. That's, like that's sizable. Yeah, that's for sizable is fucking enormous, right? Um, it also is a. I mean, the whole point is if you're trying to get people to vote and the whole participative democracy crap that everyone used to do, then maybe this is a really cheap, effective method, right? Maybe mm. that's really super valuable. So, uh, 10.5% or something, and they replicate it, and, the, and it's more like 0.7%, <laughs> right? 
And then in the reanalysis, they're like, well, if you do it this specific way, you don't make those decisions, you do it this much more reasonable way, and neither of us are qualified to make that distinction. And then you use a one-tailed test because it worked in the first instance. Uh, you get you get a little bit less than 4%, which is, um, you know. Still not bad. Less, so it's still not bad, but less than half of the original estimate. Let's not get into the effect size. I didn't even know how to calculate them at this point. I was just yeah, but- I was bleeding grease from my eyes trying to <laughs> suck in three enormous papers in political psychology about which I knew nothing. Um, so th- th- the thing that I noted though, there's, there's two things in that uh, that paper that was the reanalysis paper. Um, this is getting really specific now. A lot of people have tuned out of this shit. Um, <laughs> the, the two things that I noticed in that paper. One was like the whole way through the authors are perfectly comfortable using the language referring to what they've said as correct and what the other person's done is incorrect. Mm. Like, this is right. That, this that's, is right. That's weird, but okay. Two, they never discussed the fact that the effect size was significantly attenuated from their original study. Just that if they hit it with their particular stick under their particular criteria, it limps over the significance barrier. And then if you do the spec curve stuff, then most of the time it works out more or less the same. So the vast majority of the time, under the vast majority of realistic analyses, it's significant, right? Hmm. So, you know, I'm not particularly interested if you're studying it and you're like, oh, well, it still works according to the special criteria. What happened to the thing? How many people change their mind what did it do yeah well it did three something percent instead of ten something percent that feels like the pertinent detail to me yeah not whether or not you push it a bit this way and it's quite low but but this is this is this is a clear that wanted to get it yeah well that wanted to get into a discussion of effect sizes both of those things left me with a bit sort of uh okay so you know you are really casting like you're ascribing bad motives to other people when you go, I think they both, oh, this is the, the thing that's yeah. at the very least strongly implied from this paper. I think you made bad analytical decision to make us look like pricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then you're going to go through the entire paper, leave that out, and then there's going to be a discussion of uh, how the other people are literally wrong and we're literally correct. Hmm. Uh, look, leave, I don't know. Leaves, I, it, leaves I, a bad I, taste I could in the mouth. Be, yeah, I, look, I could be making too much of this. This is the fucking problem with it. If everyone would just all work on the same stuff that I understood, all of this would be so much easier. <laughs> we could we could get this 10-minute stuff down to about 30 seconds. We could do a lot more. We could do thir- 30 things. It would be, it'd be perfect. Look, but- everything's, everything's flexible. It's just, I mean, I, I, I like the name more than anything else. Look, and, like, does it happen? I'm pretty sure it has to somewhere right like you've maybe we could call it an adversarial replication like you're going out into the world to prove that something's crap but when would you if you're a responsible researcher when would you do that yeah a lot of the time i think you do that when you looked at the original paper and there's errors that you can't get people to pay attention to there's literal problems with it the stuff that's really, really fucked up right and one thing I do have experience here is pointing out fucked up things that have happened in papers and trying to get people to pay attention. Yeah. Maybe it is another quiver in the toolbox of this is demonstrably wrong and I can't get anyone to pay attention to the fact that it's demonstrably wrong. So I will do it again 
according to parameters that I think are reasonable, maybe trending towards the let's find fuck all side, <laughs> and see what people say when we actually do the work. That That's super plausible. Mm. So... Look, there's lots of there's lots of things that are like that. I mean, what's the example you used before? I've got lots of them running through my head. You're, uh, you're power posing. posing at some point. Okay, everyone's heard of all the arguments about that, right? And it's gone on for ages and ages, and it's very tired, and a lot of people on the internet made it really weird and personal for no fucking yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, didn't it need to it be. It's really hard to be honestly critical when there's weirdos out there, Right? God, there's, there's not a hole deep enough for people who ruin the act of criticism by turning the criticism into abuse. Yeah. It makes mm. it really hard to occupy the space of critic when there's other people conflating critic with dickhead. Anyway, side rant. Um, <laughs> everyone's heard about all this shit. No one's read Marcus Creed's paper on it where they did the full multiverse analysis of the original data set. Really? Amazing. Yep. And I don't know why, because it's the paper, it's paper is super definitive about what happened, especially with the testosterone results. Interesting. It only is like the, the whole thing. I'm not going to get into the endocrinology of it, but it's reasonably simple. The, the way that, the way that uh, sex is combined with the testosterone results in the original paper make it very, very likely the original result is artifactual. Yeah. And you can read all of the possible analyses in that paper. Now, in a rational world where everyone behaved with a modicum of decency and we're just talking about the like what happened, right? We wouldn't have to talk about it anymore. It's like, okay, well, you know, nice try. There's a thing. We all have ideas and then they go wrong. And that would be the end of the story. But because everyone is awful, um, it just got worse and worse and worse. I think a lot of the problem there was this whole idea that there was a conflict of interest, which does bring us to our next episode, which is going to be coming up. Uh, this, this is coming up in three weeks. This, this is one of those weird months where there is there is five Mondays. Uh, uh, yes, but we only do first and third. Exactly. So, uh, so it's which going means to be we never miss two a month, but we do have a weird gap. This means that our, fir- our first episode for the first Monday of August, we're going to be talking about uh, conflict of interest in psychology with, with an author of an article which got a lot of discussion online, um, Tom Chivers, who um, who wrote this uh, excellent article for Nature. We're going to be chatting with him about this issue of conflict of interest in psychology. And, and of course, one of the first things that comes up is this idea of people who are paid to speak about their ideas and whether it is a conflict and these sort of things should be declared. But there is- Is it lo- bad if my first thought is, man, I wouldn't mind to have that job? Ten, ten, an, easy, an easy 10K? No, just stay. yelling at people for money, dude. <laughs> That's what you're doing now. <laughs> for money, he says. For, 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 for the oh. Patreons. <laughs> yeah, we, for I am, for the, I am for the, not trusted to handle Hertz finances. Hertz. So that all, that all go, <laughs> goes to Daniel here. Yeah, I just, so, I'm sorry. I, I, I know all the arguments about it. this is uh, like what's provided by what's provided by the public from public money and then it's turned into essentially a private enterprise how yeah. badly you want to protect an idea you came up with because you can still tour it like a band touring on the back of an album you know and you've got to write another album before you can go into another tour 
Um, so, you know, you've got to strike while the iron's hot, don't take any criticism until you finish talking about it for money, and so on and so forth. But it's... I listen to all that, and I just really envy the job at yelling at people for money. We not, even, gonna... not even lots of money. Just, just, just a little bit. Idea. Just like beer, beer a, money. A, a decent living to see a room full of shocked faces. <laughs> <sighs> on that note, on. we we are going to finish up. Make sure you make sure you tune in uh, in three weeks' time for our conversation with Tom about conflict of interest within psychology. But thanks for listening. Uh, we'd love it that you've you've made it this far. Congratulations, you, you've made it almost an hour into the episode. Thank you for listening, and a special uh, extra thanks to our Patreon supporters, which keep the lights on for the show. But until next episode, this is bye for now. Remember, we love you, but your administration doesn't. <laughs>